You're now listening to the Chad's Chatterings Podcast. I am your host, Chad Maples, and in today's episode, I will talk about getting unstuck from depression. I will look at Elijah from the Old Testament as an example, and we will look at how he got depressed even at a high point in his ministry, which turned out to be a low point from his perspective. So sit tight and stay tuned. You're now listening to the Chad's Chatterings Podcast. Chad's Chatterings Podcast. As mentioned before, I am your host, Chad Maples, and if you haven't already done so, make sure you like, follow, or subscribe to the podcast so that you can know when new episodes are available. Today, I'll continue a series of podcasts entitled Unstuck, Fresh Traction for Common Struggles. Today, I'm specifically dealing with getting unstuck from depression. Now, I realize that there's a variety of definitions out there for depression, but for the purpose of this podcast, the definition I will use for depression is as follows. It is a temporary emotional state characterized by exaggerated feelings of sadness and hopelessness that are not consistent with reality. And whenever we look at depression, we have to ask ourselves, how dark are the clouds of depression that are coming our way. There's four different clouds that I'm going to categorize here, and each one is darker and darker as you move down the line. The first cloud of depression is downcast. This could be immediate, circumstantial, but it's only temporary. The psalmist said one time, Why are you downcast, O my soul? This could be just having a bad day or a short time, something very temporary, and then tomorrow you're up and at it again. But then if downcast hangs around, that leads to the second dark cloud, and it's called discouragement. And if your downcast feelings linger, you can fall into discouragement, and it lasts uh, longer than a day. And then discouragement leads to the third cloud, which is depression. And then our discouragement lingers longer and we start to generate a negative outlook on life that may or may not apply to the situation that we're dealing with specifically. And this is a very serious situation because it leads to the fourth cloud, and that is the cloud of despair. Downcast is having a bad day. Discouragement is having a bad week or a bad month and Depression is when you say, I don't know what's wrong and I I can't seem to shake it. And then despair is when you say just everything is wrong and nothing's ever going to change. And as we look at depression from this perspective, we have to realize that we are not the only ones that deal with these situations. In fact, many people in the past have dealt with the same emotions and feelings of depression in the past. And that's one reason why we were looking at Elijah from the Old Testament as an example. Now, when you look at Elijah in the Old Testament, he's one of the greatest prophets of the the Bible. You, You mentioned the Old Testament prophets, and Elijah's name is probably one of the first names that come to mind. He was one of the greatest men in the Bible. 
And we know that because he was on the mountain of transfiguration when Jesus went up to the mountain to be transfigured in Mark chapter 9, verse 4. Moses appeared to Jesus along with Elijah because Moses represented the, the Pentateuch and the old law, and then Elijah would represent all of the Old Testament prophets. John the Baptist was compared to Elijah in Malachi 4, verse 5, where it says, Behold, I will send the Elijah the prophet before the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And then Jesus confirmed that in Matthew 11, verse 14. So Elijah was an outstanding uh, prophet. Uh, in fact, Jesus' disciples in Luke chapter 9, when they were rejected by a Samaritan village, uh, in verse 54 of Luke chapter 9, uh, James and John, the sons of thunder, came to Jesus and, and said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down on heaven and consume them just as Elijah did? And so Elijah definitely had a reputation for being a great prophet. He's mentioned 30 times in the, uh, in the New Testament alone. And I mentioned this in regards to Elijah because even though he was a great man in the Bible, we see him very depressed and very upset in 1 Kings chapter 19. 1 Kings chapter 19 verse 4, it says, But he, that is Elijah, himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat underneath a broom tree, and he prayed that he might die. And he said, It is enough now, Lord. Take my life, for I am no better than my father's. It's really easy to see here that Elijah is in a very bad place. And a good man and a good woman can get in a very bad place if they are not careful. It happened to Elijah, and it can happen to anyone else. But how did Elijah get to this point to where he was so depressed that he did not want to live anymore? The first thing that we need to do is understand the timing of depression. How can Elijah or anyone else get depressed when things seem to be going really well? Well, in Elijah's case, the first way he got depressed was after intense ministry output. In chapter 17, first Kings chapter 17, he had predicted that there would be a drought in the land and that it would not rain until he gave the word. And then he left and he did not return for three years later. And then in chapter 18, we are told that when he returned, uh, three years later, he said, I will send rain on the earth. And there was a severe drought in the land of, of severe famine in the land of Samaria as a result of there being no rain. Elijah probably was not very popular with the people of Samaria because he predicted that the drought would occur. But then he issued a challenge to the prophets of Baal in verses 20 through 40 of this chapter. And you can read that in your own time. I'm not going to uh, read it uh, for the sake of time and, and the duration of the passage. But in 1 Kings 18, he challenged the prophets of Baal to quit going back and forth between two opinions, either follow God or follow Baal. And then he issued a challenge for all the prophets of Baal. There's 450 of them to meet him on the top of Mount Carmel. And they were to choose a sacrifice and he would choose a sacrifice and they would pray separately 
uh, he let the, uh, the prophets of Baal go first, and whoever's God responded by fire, then that's the God that they would serve. And so the odds are not really in Elijah's favor if you consider that there's 450 prophets of Baal and him. So it's 450 to one. But the prophets of Baal still, they accepted his offer and they went on the mountain, um, up on Mount Carmel. They made their sacrifice. They cried day in and day out. They cut themselves and but they could not get Baal to respond by fire and consume the sacrifice. And then it was Elijah's turn. Elijah not only put his sacrifice on the altar, but he soaked it with water, poured buckets and buckets of water on the sacrifice, dug a trench around the altar, filled the trench with water, and said one simple prayer. And the God of heaven responded with fire, and not only did it consume the sacrifice, it consumed every single thing that was around it. We see this in verse 38 of the chapter where it says, In the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust, and it licked up the water in the trench. Now, when all the people saw it, they fell to their faces and they said, The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. Then verse 40 says, Elijah said to them, seize the prophets of Baal. Do not let one of them escape. Uh, so they seized them, and Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon and executed them there. And so this is a very intense ministry output. You might, you might think if you saw something like this on Mount Carmel that you would, your faith would be on cloud nine or maybe even cloud ten and that you would have no doubt that you were following God the right way and that your faith was really strong. But it was an intense moment in the life of Elisha, in Elijah. But not, not only was it intense ministry output that contributed towards his depression, it was also after relational conflict. There were 450 men who were killed and Elijah was a part of their slaughter, so to speak, and he had them executed at the brook Kishon. That's a very relational conflict, a very gruesome thing to see 450 men killed before your eyes. So we can gradually see these small things creep up on Elijah uh, through his ministry. A lot of times it has been said in the past that preachers normally resign on Mondays, and this is due to intense ministry output on their part. Uh, if you get emotionally involved in the ministry, you pour yourself out spiritually and you become vulnerable, and your feelings and your emotions get in the way and it drains you spiritually and sometimes even physically. And the more important the relationship is to you, the more significant the conflict can be. So there's intense ministry output. There's relational conflict. And then that with all of this emotional uh, interaction, there's got to be physical exhaustion going on as well. And so it's after intense ministry output, relational conflict, physical exhaustion, and ironically, after a major victory. Elijah just had a huge victory on Mount Carmel. 
And like I said before, you would think that witnessing something like that on Mount Carmel, your faith would be on cloud nine. Sometimes we get depressed after a major victory because the reality of what happened didn't live up to our expectations. The college grad doesn't seem very happy even with a diploma in his hand. Sometimes mothers with newborn babies cannot stop crying after they give birth even though they are excited that they have a healthy baby. A job promotion may not look the same as, as what you thought it would be or it may not be what you expected. And so sometimes after a major victory, we can experience a little bit of depression. But then we can also experience depression after a huge disappointment. There was a drought in the land for three years, and Elijah probably thought that after it rained, the people would repent and turn to God. Yet, yet he, we see him running for his life. And he went as far as, from Mount Carmel to Bathsheba. Now, to put that in perspective, Mount Carmel is on the far north end, and Bathsheba is on the far south end, on the border of Egypt. So Elijah traveled as far away from his problems as he possibly could in order to avoid the situation. Now, what we want to look at next is how to get depressed. And what I mean by that is what to avoid in regards to depression. I'm not encouraging you to go out and get depressed, obviously. But this is how people get depressed in the first place. The first thing we want to do is ask ourselves five questions. The first one being, do you have less personal friends now than you did a year ago? Does it make you angry when the phone rings and, it find, and you find out that it's for you or that a friend is on the other end waiting to talk to you? Have you been less, have you been taking less evenings out with family and friends or have you been avoiding small groups and have you been avoiding church altogether? And is your worst nightmare being trapped in the corner with someone who really cares about you and have them asking, how are you really doing? But there's some things that we can do ourselves that can contribute towards our depression. First of all, we find a place by ourselves. Elijah traveled a day's journey and left his servant behind because he wanted to be by himself. The second thing that he did was he focused on the negative. The drought was over, the prophets of Baal were dead, but yet Elijah chose to focus on the negative things. And he, he was talking to the Lord. He says, I've been very zealous for the Lord of hosts, for your children, for the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars and killed the prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they seek to take my life. This is found in 1 Kings 19, verse 10. And when we focus on the things that are negative, then we go down a road. It doesn't go anywhere good. But another thing that we can do besides being by ourselves and focusing on the negative things is that we forget about God's provision. We forget about the things that God has done for us in the past and if God has been able to see us through this far, and of course he has, if God has been able to be it, if God has been there for us through our past hardships, we cannot risk, we cannot run the risk of 
getting tunnel vision when we are faced with a situation and we don't see the light at the end of the tunnel. We need to remember that God has provided for us in the past and that he will do so again. He has no reason to just leave us hanging or let us go and, or bring us this far and not provide for us again as he has in the past. In 1 Kings 19 verses 5 through 8, we see that Elijah was resting under a broom tree and an angel came to him and brought him food to eat. And, and he said to him, arise and eat because the journey is too great for you. And so he arose and ate and drank and he got food and strength for 40 days and 40 nights while he was there receiving provision from God. And so when we get in these moments of depression, we don't need to be by ourselves. We don't need to focus on the things that are negative and we cannot forget about the things that God has done for us in the past. But as we bring this to a close, we need to look at choosing the cure for depression. And in Elijah's case, it started with God confronting him about his problem and about the situation he was dealing with. Maybe God is confronting you about something. Maybe you, you need to let God confront you. And God just came right out to Elijah and said, you know, what are you doing here? Why are you out here alone? I need you to be doing this. Or I need you to be active. What are you doing out here by yourself? And so God confronted Elijah. And maybe God needs to confront us as well when it comes to dealing with these problems, dealing with things that we can control or maybe not control. But the second thing we see with Elijah is that we need to let God reveal himself to us. We see this in 1 Kings 19, starting at verse 11. It says, Then he, that is the Lord, said, Go out and stand on the mountain of the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and there was a great strong wind and tore into the mountains and broke the rocks into pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after a fire, after the fire, a still, small voice. So it was when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in his mantle and he went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And suddenly a voice came to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? So maybe we need to let God reveal himself to us. The third thing we need to do is receive God's provision as we see an angel of the Lord providing, making provision for him. And then we need to do what God says to do immediately. But then finally we need to get to a point to where we can get involved with people again. In verses 18 and 19 of 1 Kings chapter 19, this is where Elijah says, I'm all alone. I'm the only one left. I seek to take my life. And God says, starting in verse 18, I have reserved 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed to Baal and every mouth that has not kissed him. So he departed from there and found Elisha, who would be his successor, by the way, the son of Shephat, uh, who was plowing 
with the twelfth yoke of oxen, and he was with the twelfth. Then Elijah passed by him and threw his mantle on him. So Elisha eventually became Elijah's successor. Spiritual depression comes when we think we know more than God does about any given situation or about our situation specifically. The Native Americans use a term, they call it living on the other side of the blanket. And if you ever watched someone do cross stitching, from your perspective, it just looks like they're holding a little round plate up or whatever they're holding up. It just looks like a mess of strings hanging down from your perspective. But if you get on the same side of the person doing the cross stitching, you can see the pattern, you can see the colors, you can see the design, and you start to see the bigger picture. And sometimes we live on the other side of the blanket. We can only see the strings hanging down. We can't see the big picture that God sees. And God sees the bigger picture, and he knows who we are and where we are going in life and what he has designed for us. And we don't need to let others influence what we think, say, or do to warp our perspective or take us out of the realm of what God has planned for us. There is a very big difference in Christianity from saying it is finished to being like Elijah and saying it is enough. So to summarize this podcast in getting unstuck from depression, we have to ask ourselves, first of all, how dark are the clouds? Uh, Are they downcast? Does that lead to discouragement? And has that discouragement led to depression and ultimately despair? And as we look at the life of Elijah, we understand the timing of depression. And Elijah's depression came from intense ministry output from being involved in the ministry and having a relational conflict of killing 450 men and physical exhaustion as a result of everything that he did. And it came after a major victory and even a huge disappointment at some point in his ministry. But then we need to know how to avoid getting depressed. And that would be avoid being by ourselves and focusing on the negative things and forgetting about the things that God has provided for us. But if we want to really deal with the depression that we have talked about in this particular podcast, we let God confront us. We let God reveal himself to us. We receive God's provision when it's provided, and we We try to do what God says to do immediately so that we can get involved with people again and be involved with other people's lives and helping them along the way. And so it is very easy to get down and depressed, especially spiritually depressed, as we go through life. But we need to decide whether or not to connect to God's power or to allow other people's words and actions to have power over us to where we finally throw in the towel and we say it is enough rather than letting God tell us when we can say it is finished. This concludes this particular episode of the Chaz Chatterings podcast. Make sure you like, follow, or subscribe to the podcast 
so that you can know when new episodes become available. Thanks once again for tuning in, and we'll see you next time.